Welcome back to the Make It Count Podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Meir Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. All right, Tyler, this one's going to be fun. We've been uh, talking, we love having guests. And so today we've got Skip Boudreaux, who is the managing partner of Acadian Capital Group. Uh, Skip, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got here, and what you guys have going on at Acadian. Uh, yeah. So I'll start my background. Um, I'm gonna give you the short version cause I don't right. have a lot of time. Um, I went to UL, uh, electrical and computer engineering, um, senior year. We made our line following design robot senior project. Then I realized, uh, you know, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, oh, but I'm four years in on an engineering degree. So yeah. I have to call your parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just kind of, you know, uh, fiddled around the last semester, finished it and then went straight to the, uh, business school and got my MBA. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, while doing that, I was working for a company called Fuzzy Buns, which okay. is a uh, reasonable wash. Have you heard of it? I forgot yeah. about this. You that told me this story awesome. though. Yeah. Reasonable <laughs> washable you're leaning cloth yeah. diapers. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, it was started by, uh, you know, founder, uh, Tarasyn Dupuy. She was an awesome uh, founder, awesome inventor. Um, she went on Shark Tank back in like the early, it might have been season three. I remember so this. Really. Yeah. She was from Broussard. And um, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to tell the shorter story. Um, basically, she went on there, didn't get a deal. Uh, whenever she came back, um, she was like, look, I'm out. I need a little break. Your CEO and, you know, Ashley worked with us, your president. Y'all run it. And so we started trying to, um, you know, standardize different patterns and, and yeah. you know, move manufacturing from Turkey back to China. And then you had the issues with the patent infringement. Yep. I'm, I'm just not but, to get too much into that, but I remember that being an issue, like getting knocked off in China. Yeah. Oh, they're selling them out the back door in another brand name. And okay. so, you know, the, the company's strategy at the time was try to fight it with litigation, right? Which is draining. Um, whereas Terrison was a great inventor, entrepreneur, she had all these ideas for innovation, um, but we never had the capital to innovate and, and, and uh, grow the market that way because we were, uh, you know, fighting it with litigation. Right. Um, so anyway, after Shark Tank, um, even if you don't get a deal, you know, once it airs, your phone still rings, you know, and uh, Terrison's out kind of taking sabbatical. Phone calls are coming in saying, hey, I'm so-and-so with you know, such and such investment group in Boston or wherever. And we saw you on Shark Tank. Do you still need money? You mm -hmm. know? Sure. And Interesting. so right there, I'm sitting, um, I must be what, 23, 24 at the And time. you're the CEO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and so I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? And so, you know, that was the first time I heard due diligence, even after MBA school. So I'm Googling, like, what is due diligence? And, you know, they're looking in to try to see uh, about investment. Eventually, you know, we go around kind of with a process, uh, you know, sell to some local, a local group. Um, but by that point, I was bit by the bug. So um, I kind of looked around town, looked for the biggest investment firm that I could find. And I saw Aaron's Investment Partners. And so I just called him one day. I had a buddy who worked there. And I said, Mr. Aaron's, you don't know me. My name's Skip Boudreaux. I want to come work for you. He was like, all right, we'll come in. Met with them. And then at the end of the day, you know, he said, all right, well, uh, if you pass the test, you got a job. Um, and so, this is to do in like investment, investment advisory, work. not, yeah. 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 Okay. And gotcha. So uh, I was thinking like, I'm ready to analyze companies. I want to sure, like, yeah. look at this, yeah. you know, I want to do what I was doing on the other side. I'm ready to manage money. And, uh, you know, Andrew goes, all right, well, 
go get money to manage, right? Like, yeah, like yeah, you right. Yeah. If you, uh, and so it was one of those things where it's like, uh, I wasn't told to build a goods. I knew, you know, exactly. You told me like this, how it works. Um, but then I found as an engineer, I wasn't really good at, uh, you know, selling and trying to acquire assets, right? On that side, I just wanted to be an analyst on the backside. Um, you know, my, my family's uh, uh, friends already had a guy or a gal managing their money, and all my friends were in debt or just now right. buying homes if, yeah. you know, if they had money. Um, so this wasn't much there. So eventually, uh, you know, Andrew, uh, he's a, a prominent local investor, gets a bunch of deals that come to him. And so he'd start bringing me into his uh, meetings whenever people would come in and say, hey, this is what I'm looking to do. Can you find? And so I kind of learned the ropes of what to look for, um, you know, different ways deals can go bad. Basically, I get to, uh, you know, learn his tuition. Uh, I didn't have to pay tuition to learn, you know, his yeah. mistakes yeah. in the past. Um, so we went through that, and eventually it just kind of came down to the point where, um, you know, he realized and I realized that I wasn't going to cut it as a, a financial advisor from, a, a you know, your typical sense. I'm, I'm better off as an analyst. So um, he kind of said, how about this? You'll start running my private investments, um, and, and that's what we're going to do. So now we have bandwidth. So at that point, we're saying, oh, and I told you this would be the short version. All good. <laughs> yeah. At this point, we're saying, okay, well, we have bandwidth. Let's open up the floodgates. And so we start reaching out. We find angel investment groups. Um, you know, start getting connected. Deal flow comes in. We get more reps, more reps, uh, deploying more capital. Um, and then eventually, um, you know, other folks come to me and say, hey, I got a deal. Can you look at it for me? Well, I'm still technically, you know, an advisor at that point at the firm. And so, uh, you know, regulations wouldn't let me do that type of stuff. So I uh, spun out. So rather than me working directly for Andrew, I started my own firm, Acadian Capital Research, okay. where... Andrew's my client. Gotcha. Right? Um, and, you know, we kind of rolled like that, but I was able to get other clients. Uh, we managed the group for Acadian Angels for a while. Um, yeah, I remember that. That's yeah. kind of where I heard of you mm -hmm. at first. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, after a while, we're doing these, the diligence type of stuff. So we'll go out, we'll find, we'll source deals, we'll run the diligence, we'll tell people with the risks and, you know, potential rewards of it so they can make their decision with open eyes and know what's in front of them. Um, you know, we give it to them. Uh, they decide yes or no, cut the check. And then on the backside, we're kind of managing the companies after investment because we're in the perfect place to do it because we know it makes them tick because we did the diligence in the first place. And so after a year or two of this, we realize, man, we do everything a venture capital firm does except write the check. Right. Gotcha. And it kind of slowed down the process. So then we went to the investors and said, um, hey, how about this? Um, would you put money in a fund? And then we manage it. That way, we don't have to call you every time a deal comes in or whatnot. Right. And so that's how the venture fund got started. Okay. Um, man, I kind of went on a tangent. No, that's I'm interesting. All, yeah. Long, yeah, but you're saying a lot of stuff. So quickly, if you can quickly, angel investing, mm -hmm. private equity, yep. venture capital. Yep. Okay. People hear that stuff all the time. It's sexy, right? It's the guys in the uh, it's the guys in the vest, right? And the RP guys yeah, yeah. and the PE bros are the guys in yeah, the yeah. vest. Patagonia. Yeah, Patagonia. Uh -huh. Yeah, you know, you know the look. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, you look the, much better. And the loafers. Yeah, yeah, but you got the pocket square today. Mm -hmm. You look better. Mm -hmm. um, give us a quick rundown, like of, of of that kind of you know this versus that. Okay. It it different people have different definitions like most things, right? But generally, broad strokes. So when you think angel investor, you're thinking of an individual who's a high net worth individual, uh, you know, according to the SEC, which is uh, 
$200,000 a year in revenue for the past three years if you're single, three hundred if you're married, or a million dollars in net worth uh, excluding your home. Right? Okay. Um, go look it up. Don't trust me on that one, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that's it. Right? Yeah. Uh, consult your appropriate professionals. Right. Um, so it's those folks. Basically, it's, it's a rule that was kind of set up uh, in the day because they don't want – um, you know, people who um, don't have the ability to lose money on risky investments, they don't want them investing in it kind of as a, as a protection. And since at the time they didn't really have a method of saying, okay, you understand the risk and you're smart enough to figure it out. They drew a line in the sand and said, yeah. look, if you're richer than this, you can afford it. Basically, you know, that's like, the incre- accredited investor rules. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. gotcha. Um, so angel investors, generally individuals uh, who are investing in, um, you know, startups, high growth startups, um, and kind of writing checks out of their own bank account. Okay. Right? Um, venture capital is whenever you have a uh, professional whose job it is, sole job, is to go out, find, source the deals on behalf of their LPs or limited partners. Okay. Um, and so basically what it is is all those high net worths, um, say, put their money in a pot and then that pot goes out and invests in companies, and then the returns kind of come in. Gotcha. There's a cool story about yeah. whaling, uh, okay. like kind of the start. I don't even think it's true, but they <laughs> they attribute it to it. So they say that venture capital in the U.S. kind of started with the whaling industry uh, back in like 1800-something in Massachusetts. Uh, whaling boats would go out. Well, first, whale oil was like the most um, – profitable commodity right they okay. lit their homes with oh yeah it, absolutely you know the blubber and everything but it's super dangerous gotcha. like I, I used to know the stats but um, a very high percentage of these whaling expeditions would never come back or they'd come back without uh, a whale or they'd either um catch fire was yeah. uh, generally uh what would happen or weather or whatever oh, wow. so wealthy families want to get involved in this uh you know uh whale oil trade but they didn't want to take the risk uh, themselves on just one operation. So that's whenever these agents came in and said, how about this? We will collect money from all these different families, put it in a pot, um, and we it's our job. We track where the whale pods are. We track who the good captains are. We track crews and kind of help them out. And so then they funded a bunch of whaling expeditions. They go out, come back, some would fail. It's fine, but they're paid for the other ones. So no one family had to take all the risk on each one. Okay. Yeah. So that's venture capital. Venture capital. Got it. Um, it's basically like, um, you know, a, a systematic, real um, kind of portfolio and real well thought out portfolio of uh, high risk, high reward uh, investments. Oil and gas wildcatting, same yep. thing, right? Gotcha. Drill a hole. Uh, you know, seven out of 10 are going to be dry hole, but uh, three more than pay for the rest. Yeah. And you'll see, I mean, I don't know how much this happens in real life or this is me just, you know, TV and movies, but it's like <laughs> the, the venture capitalists will buy four companies in the same space in hopes that one, you know, skyrockets. Some Sometimes they do. And so there's nuance, right? So uh, you could be a um, industry specific type of investor mm-hmm. where we're making a bet that space exploration is going to be a next thing. And so let's kind of put chips over here. Gotcha. Or we're med tech or yeah. know, our fund is generalist and we tend to stay off the coast to get better valuations and find, you know, companies in areas like Lafayette or, you know, Phoenix, Ohio, you know, um, right. 
those places. Um, so you guys do venture capital, mm-hmm. okay? We, and then the private equity, right? We also do private equity. Okay, all right. Give us, give us, give us <laughs> a right. quick version. So of that. private equity uh, in general is, is it, venture capital. In theory, is kind of a branch of private equity in the sense that private equity is investment in private companies that aren't publicly listed, right? Broad general stroke. Yeah, uh, some people may argue with me, but like generally, and so private equity, as you normally hear it is generally operating businesses, right? And so they don't want to take the risk and um, kind of play that numbers game with the high power law piece of it. They want to invest in an operating company with, uh, you know, either stable cash flow or, you know, something that they can bank on uh, or roll up some other companies with it, get multiple expansion. Um, But they both generally are trying to get, both generally get their return through some sort of exit. Right. Yeah. Not really. They're not holding it forever to get distributions um, generally in that setup because of the way that the the fund LP structure set up. Yeah. Uh, your 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 funds are 10 years lifespan, you know, yeah. um, although you have some perpetual. But. So you could you could say then like the difference between venture capital and private equity. Venture capital is going to be more risky startup investing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Private equity, you're going to look for an operating company with cash flow that mm-hmm. you maybe think you can optimize, yep. make it run better, get more efficient. Yep. Extract more from an existing company, make it run better. Yeah. Not to throw a curveball, but Uh-oh. you could also buy distressed companies. Right. Um, that are operating, at least have the, uh, it's in a, it's in an industry that is, um, known. You're not trying to disrupt anything, commodity type of, you know, something distressed. And then you go in and, uh, put in a team and revamp it and then try to get that value out of it. Gotcha. Okay. What? So like kind of transitioning and, you know, you guys are obviously doing this, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking for either these distressed assets or assets that you think, man, we can do a little bit better on them. Mm-hmm. and got cash flow. What are some things you guys are looking for? Like some common characteristics of businesses that you guys invest in that you've seen over time. Like what are some of those, those common traits? Uh, generally you have a good founder, right? And, um, yeah, there's a saying like "bet on the jockey." Yeah, I was going to say horse, that type yeah. of thing. Um, generally, right? Like you, you want to find folks who get it, right? And are aligned, and and there are different things that you you kind of see over time where you realize, like, I don't think they really realize how hard this is or how hard this will be. You know, if if you ask them, well, how are you going to market that and find consumers? And the answer is, oh, we'll just use social media. And you go. You know, we we spend a lot of time on operating, spend a lot of time with startups, knowing that the answer just do social media is is so much more nuanced and complex and deeper than that. Right. Um, and you need to say, oh, they're going to learn that lesson. Right. Is it, <laughs> is it I'm going to pay, you know, for their tuition or I'm going to let someone else do it? That's it's a it's a kind of a, a one off kind of weird example. But um, right. during the founder, you want to make sure they get it. They know what they're going through. Um, you know, if they're a repeat founder, they already have those scars. Once yep. again, we didn't pay for that tuition. Yep. Um, I'm and, sensing a theme here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, generally you want to, you want to push the risk earlier as possible and kind of invest, you know, as, um, uh, as the risk gets diminished. And so if, uh, you know, a founder, learns and tries to go to market at least on the venture side and gets product market fit well then your risk goes down you know if they have some paying customers right and then you kind of come in after that from an operating company standpoint um you it depends on who the buyer is right but you generally want um consistent predictable cash flows right 
and then some opportunities for improvement where you can kind of eke out some alpha and, and eke out some edge. Um, a lot of times that's not possible depending on the industry, right? And oil and gas, you're kind of at the whims of the, the cycle. Right. Um, but generally, you know, that's, that's kind of what they're looking for. Um, you know, we saw a company, uh, actually two companies in the past month where they came to us, they're looking to sell, they think it's about time. And, uh, it was, a, they're really well run companies. And we looked at them and we said, you're too well run. You know what I mean? Like we can't, we can't do anything. It's too good of a company. Like if you were worse, we'd probably be interested. Like it's, <laughs> it's silly. Well, this is a curveball for our podcast. Yeah, right. Right. Can we edit that out? Yeah. Uh, well, well, no, no, no. But they're gonna get they're gonna get a lower price, right? Uh, and so the idea is like we'd rather we'd rather buy something broken because we have the infrastructure going and fix it. Gotcha. Right. Some um, don't. Um, but if you're well run and you have predictable cash flow. Um, you know, there's there's a buyer generally out there. Well, let me ask you this because you made an interesting point right there. What are some things that you guys are seeing that need to be fixed and you have the capability to fix? Like where are those levers in a small business that maybe aren't being pulled or certain things that you're obviously not operating as well as you could be that 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 give people an opportunity to say, man, this can be done better and you can create way more value, cash flow, yeah. et cetera? Um, yeah, so that's on the operations side of the team. Um, it could be a number of things. Probably the most important is culture, accountability, um, generally because if we're buying a broken company, right, or, yeah. or one that's kind of stressed, it's like there's this level of mistrust for management. You know, we're not sure kind of what's happening. No one's talking to anyone. Um, kind of going in there and resetting the culture and saying, you know, look, uh, we're going to be transparent with you. We're going to do what we say. And usually it takes a few times of them not trusting that we do what we say and we didn't eventually they say man these, these guys do what they say so culture and you kind of fix that and that's another one of those like just do social media mm -hmm. like right. it's more nuanced and yeah. it's so tough uh, we have an operating partner. ping pong tables yeah, that's yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, our operating partner gains does a, an incredible job of that uh, from an infrastructure um yeah, or business infrastructure standpoint right we have uh bookkeepers accountants uh risk management insurance uh, process engineers, um, oh, HR. Wow. Um, now, some of those roles are, are, are hats worn by the same folks, right? Right. Um, but we're able to come in and and kind of um, build out that that kind of core of the administrative piece. If you think of a business as sales, administration, operations, production, whatever that is, like we're doing what you do, uh, we can generally come in and take over that administrative piece uh, a lot of times. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so I want to go back to something you said that like changed the the premise of our podcast. Um, <laughs> so generally, like you know, Marcus is always saying, "Look, the better your books, the better your business," and that that only gives you better opportunities when for anything, right? The like the last piece of this whole puzzle is the exit strategy: how you want to retire, how you want yeah. to sell your business, what your opportunities are. You made a comment. That I want you to just kind of like, let's talk about yeah. that they're going to get a lower price oh, yeah. because their business is so well run. Yes. Am I understanding that right? That in the oh, sense no, no, that no, like no, from no, you no, guys no, 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 are no, no. from yeah. no, I know what it, yeah. those that are, those that are, um, a, wait, did you say a better price? A lower price. price I mean, yes, yes, is yes. What I, I mean, yeah. I said better price. No, I meant so lower the, price the companies that are broken will get a lower price. Okay. Yeah. So the, I, but, but our thesis in how we invest and the way that we're built 
is because we have an operating team and an infrastructure to go in, um, we look for companies where that adds value. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. If we go and we buy one that's already uh, that makes already humming, sense. yeah. I thought you were saying like companies that are distressed will actually have a higher no, market value no, no, for no, investors. Let's, let's and, flesh I was, this no, and I was no, like, no, 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 no. That no, no. seems like it would but be. I, but like, I did. Different I did, investors have different theses. Yeah, yeah I did, no, I did take sense. something from you, though. I guess what you're saying, too, is to that guy who runs a really great business, your offer is not going to be the best. Yeah, I'm because not the right you, buyer. Yeah, right. you're not the buyer because you're looking for places where there is an opportunity for it's distressed or could be better. Yeah, That's what yeah it's like the home flipper doesn't find the, the brand new house. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Find the you know the beat up one that yeah, they can't the foundation problem yeah exactly yeah. and I mean I I don't want to say that that our targets have to be just like terrible companies sure. right yeah. but yeah but if there's a uh, you know an owner who uh, must sell or you know for some other reason you know things aren't aren't going well we have the ability to act pretty quick and so we yeah. generally make our money on the buy right yeah. and then we come in and and because we have that infrastructure it makes sense for us. Other firms, other investors may want different things. Some may just want to be able to put money to work. We trust management. Okay, we want a board seat. Let's rock and roll. It's good, predictable cash flow. Um, uh, Or you're a good business, and we're going to make you the kind of center, and we're going to roll up some other businesses into you. And as our revenue numbers get up, as we get larger, we get that multiple expansion. That's how they add value. Yeah. But it depends on who who the buyer is, right? And and so – um, a lot of times we'll tell investors like just because just because it doesn't fit us doesn't mean it's a bad business doesn't mean it's a bad investment. Um, it's it's a no strike called business, right? So yeah. we could sit at the plate and watch balls all day, and they could be strikes, but you don't you don't get out until you swing, right? And so we just wait for a good pitch, and we know hey we like these sliders, right? Or, or we yeah. like this one particular type of pitch. Yeah. So help. Help the small business owner understand like what is just the bare minimum. If if you're thinking of like, okay, I know one day I want to off ramp. I either want to sell my mm-hmm. business. I want to uh, maybe merge it with another. Mm-hmm. What what are the options? And then like, what do people need to be thinking about to get there? Yep, I would say depending on the type of business you have and how it's run, figure out who your subset of buyers are. Right, they're going to do the same thing. It may not be us. Now, there are some businesses where really what you're selling is you're selling a job, right? And so the yeah. owner salary is the is the earnings uh, of that company, right? And there's a subset of buyers out there of folks who want to get in a business but don't really want to do the kind of the startup stuff, plug and play, you know. And uh, you know, there are brokers that you can go to to kind of sell those types of businesses. Um, uh, I'm thinking that scenario would be like a dentist or maybe a medical, like or yeah, it could be that or, yeah, guy uh, or service types of businesses. Uh, yeah. I think like plumbers. Where the yeah. Yeah, AC. owner's the technician. Yeah, the yeah. owner's the technician, and, yep. and it's a, they make a good living. They're lead technician. Yeah, lots but of you. but you can't come in, buy it, put someone in it, and then walk away. Right. And 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 generate the type of return. Yeah, um, that's expected. And it's not a bad thing. These are they're different types of businesses, right? Um, and then you have others where you know, okay, uh, can an investor or a group of investors come in, um, keep management, or put in new management, or transition old management to new management, and that becomes part of their portfolio. And so, kind of going back, it's kind of 
you got to know what makes the investor tick. So with us in the venture fund, right? Like we have a responsibility to our investors to invest in these types of businesses. And so we're not going to sway from it. Oh, and we have a three-year deployment period generally where we got to get the money out. And then we sit and uh, help the companies and and kind of harvest returns for the next, you know, seven, right? Yeah. Uh, some private equity funds are the same way, right? They deploy it, but they got to exit in year five or six, um, you know, kind of after they invest. And they need, they're, they're looking to do another fund, a subsequent fund. They got to uh, kind of get the money out. So that way they could get it to their investors. So that right. way they have confidence in return so they can fund the next fund. Like it's kind of the strategy of how the money's raised and and how that pot of money and, and what it's used for um, will kind of dictate, uh, you know, kind of what kind of buyer you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, like, are there been some things kind of piggybacking off of what Tyler's getting at, which that – an attractive company, and, and you've gotten into it and said, man, guys, if you just did this or this this thing right here is really precluding, precluding you from getting a deal. What are, what are, on, the, on the flip side, yeah. what are some things that really hinder people from either taking on investment, exiting, yeah. scaling, and that you've seen? Yeah. Um, uh, we were, we were kind of talking about this earlier, and I was thinking about one, one case where uh, it, it's, it's not a misstatement of numbers because I can't prove intent. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where we're looking at this business and, you know, they're doing this uh, one really cool novel service. Right. And that's kind of what they're pitching. Hey, we do this service and then look at our revenue numbers. It's X million dollars. Right. Whenever we go and we look at the book uh, or the books. Yeah, they're doing X million dollars, but they're selling a like reselling commodity service over here right uh -huh. and then they're kind of compiling it over and so they were almost using their books and numbers as a way of saying um we have product market fit there are people who are buying this novel service when in actuality that was still very nascent right yeah. um and so we we look at those things um whenever we acquire a a, a business we'll do quality of earnings checks um, oh really? Yeah. yeah. We'll say uh, we'll get your financials, and then we'll generally ask you to break it up by months, and then we're going to pick a random month or a couple of random months, and say send us your bank statements for those months. And we kind of line them up and make sure that the revenue's mostly there. You know, yeah. um, there might be a cruel cash kind of piece of it, but um, yeah, we'll go in and kind of spot check. Yeah, so I've that, heard that before, by the way. Yeah, mm -hmm. I guess so that's probably first thing people need to understand is like there's going to be an extreme amount of due diligence done. I mean, what more are you guys looking at than just financials? Yeah. So, all right. So here's the thing about due diligence that I found is due diligence has to be proportionate of the amount of capital you're deploying. And due diligence at one at one at some point has diminishing returns, right? And so the idea is if we're doing a small angel investment, right, and someone's putting in twenty five thousand or maybe fifty thousand, right, we're not running a real real deep diligence. You yeah. know what I mean? Because uh, in the same way as like when when uh, you know kind of documents come in, like they're not hiring an attorney to review the documents and you know kind of really get deep into it and get a ten grand bill on a twenty five thousand dollar investment. Like it doesn't make any sense. Sure. And so at at some level, you kind of have to pair the the 
the the density of your diligence to the size of the deal and how much capital is at risk. Yeah, yeah. right. Which we is, say yeah. juice worth the squeeze. Yeah, there you go. That's what we say right here. Yeah, and, and that's True. that's True part of the underwriting. But on on much larger deals, you know, whenever you have you know uh, half million million. Five ten million dollars at risk. I mean, you're going very deep. We're we're talking with management. We're talking with employees. We're talking with ex employees. We mm-hmm. are, um, you know, if there's a um, a deck or a data room, we're pouring through that. Um, you can't outdata us. You know, some folks have tried to just, uh, <laughs> you know, throw everything. And I mean, like we live for this stuff, and we'll chew through it, and we'll yeah. kind of find everything. We have. Um, uh, worksheets and checklists where we go through, you know, different types of risks on the venture side, your risk may be, um, technical risk, uh, marketing risk, um, regulatory kind of that type of stuff on the private equity side, you know, um, it's a lot more on the kind of human capital risk. Um, you know, will this person leave who, um, who carries all the relationships kind of with that and all that, it may not kill a deal, but it'll influence kind of the terms and how you structure the deal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, this founder, you know, has all the relationships and whatnot. Um, well, we'll probably put some sort of seller note in it. So he's incentivized to really flip that knowledge transfer over based off of, you know, the amount of accounts we retain or, right. or that type yeah. of thing. So diligence isn't just like looking for red flags, you know, um, mm-hmm. although we've, we found some, you know, uh, uh, trying to think of another example. I mean, we went through, uh, we ran a, uh, a background check on a guy, um, and background checks we do at different levels, right? You could do a free pacer search on some folks, um, Judy records, um, and just kind of get information and kind of get a good sense. Yeah. It helps if their name isn't a common name. Um, uh, pro tip. Yeah. yeah. Pro tip, get a common name, John Smith. Yeah. Good. Right. Right. Uh, but like we found one where, you know, uh, they're raising money and he was bragging about, uh, you know, his, how successful he was and how he didn't really need it and whatnot. It just didn't feel right. And we run down and we found this guy, um, you know, uh, not three, four years before filed bankruptcy, which in and of itself isn't a, a red flag, right? You're transparent. Hey, I filed bankruptcy. This is why I took this risk. Okay. Yeah. Right. But then you look at the list of creditors and it's a bunch of mom and pops and their IRAs and, and it's just like, Ooh, you yeah. know? Right. Yeah. Wow. So what can, what's a helpful tip other than, I mean, you know, Marcus is always preaching, keep a good set of books, Yeah. you know, yes. beyond that, what are some nuances of that? You know what I mean? I know. I, so we're yeah. not just over here saying keep Marcus's version of yeah. uh, do social media, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Keep a good set of books. Yeah. I mean, what's the nuance? What's the, if you have professional buyers on the other side of the table, be honest, you know, oh. like if it's something we're going to, like you think we might find, we'll probably find it. If it's within our level of, well, you can't outdate it, you guys, right? Well, I mean, you can't. We got so much horsepower, and um, like I said, I mean, uh, Thomas and I were up till one o'clock last night running diligence on a company, and it's just like we had to force ourselves to like sign off and go to sleep. Like we live for this stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, and you and you would be considered a professional buyer, so I, w- I would think so. You're gonna yeah. find it, yeah. right? You're gonna find the skeletons. Um, and, and I'm not saying go uh, go and swindle non professional buyers, right? Like just in general, <laughs> right. no, I hope be honest, right? And that. a lot of times too, um, in the purchase agreements, right? You're gonna have reps and warranties. You gotta represent and warranty that 
uh, certain things are correct, certain things are true and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so don't think, oh, I got it by them, you know, right. um, yeah. whenever they start operating your business and they start finding these things, you know, whether there's a hold back in escrow sometimes if like, oh, I don't know, there might be kind of something here. Here's kind of a risk Then whenever you purchase, you can um, you can give, take some of the seller's money, put it in escrow, and then we make a claim against the escrow of like. You know, okay, we get to pull that money down to fix this problem type right. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I forgot where I was going before that. Well, we were just talking about yeah. like what you said, what you can give some buyers, um, some sellers, some tips, and yes. you kind of started with, oh yeah, be, just be honest and transparent. Yeah, it sounds like you teed that up in the very beginning of like, um, what did you say? I mean, it's about the founder, and what you mean by that is like, or one of the things that you used to qualify that was like, if they are underestimating the situation and the severity of it, then that's a red flag. And so I think probably like whenever a business owner comes to you guys and they not only have good data to present, but they say, Hey, this is an issue. Yeah. FYI, this is something you guys Mm want to, I'm aware of it. You know what I mean? I know these things about my business. It probably just change. I'd imagine changes the whole trust level. It, it does. And, and then there's a, there's a kind of split between, uh, are we investors or are we buyers? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause if we're investors. They're running the company, you know, here's the money. If you need any help, Oh, we have a connection here that might help you, you yeah. know, um, go through if we're buyers, then the founder's going to likely at that point, they're trying to transition out. Um, but yeah, whenever we run our diligence, our report back to our investors or whenever we do investment committee is here are all the risks as we see, here are potential mitigants, here are mitigants that are already in place, yeah. right? And then from there, so that way you can go in with open eyes. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll run a scenario analysis of like, um, these are all the ways it could fail. We do a pre-mortem as well. But like, these are the different cases. It can fail because of this. It could fail because of this. You could have marginal success because of this. They could hit their numbers and knock it out the park. And then we'll go through and assign probabilities on each scenario. Then we'll assign, uh, you know, assign different um, expected exit values on each scenario. A lot of the expected values are zero, right? Then we probability weight that investment and you know, kind of get a sense of, look, we only get one shot at it, right? But if we get to play this a hundred times, a thousand times, 10,000 times, where will we end up? Right. And we may, you may make the right decision and lose, but you could still sleep at night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an example of that would be like, if we did a coin flip right now and I say, heads, you lose a hundred thousand dollars, right? Tails, you win a million dollars. You flip the coin, it lets heads, you lose a hundred thousand dollars. Did you make a bad bet? Right. Like, no, it's just the outcomes came, you know, came with the outcomes came. Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, you only had one flip at it, right? Right. And so, if you can flip multiple times, um, the idea is, you know, we do this enough and we we kind of cut it. So, like, ideally, you know, not that we're going to win more than we lose, but the value of our wins are going to be uh, higher than the value of our losses. Well, that's the reason you got investors, right? You wouldn't have, <laughs> if you if you didn't have those wins ex- exceeding the losses, you wouldn't have a pool of investors, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, but also venture's a long game too, yeah. with a with a very long um, uh, feedback loop. Yeah, uh, and so the way that we uh, kind of show our investors, you know, what we do is we we sell them on our process. Because our results, you know, we're starting to get results uh, in the past few years from prior years, but right. still the bulk of our investing is still out. 
And so we sell them on our process. Every time that we do an investment, we send our investors the investment memo. And I mean, it's deep investment. These are all the things. There's the risk, kind of everything we spoke about. Right. Pre-mortem, if it dies, this is why. Um, and then every quarter, hey, here's an update on all the companies. Um, and then here are the financials on the fund. And then um, we've had uh, – so I'm thinking of the, the funny um, – uh, industry term, we've had uh, one company with impaired capital, which is a way of saying they ran out of money, they're dead. Yeah. Right? But <laughs> it's like it's like the fancy impaired capital. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what we ended up- They went broke. Yeah, they went broke and, yeah. and, and it was, uh, you know, uh, and it failed. Yeah. And so I'm we- I'm going to my wife that. Yeah. yeah. Just, just impaired capital. Impaired capital. Impaired capital. Impaired just, capital just this month though. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what we'll do in that case is we'll go and grab that investment memo we wrote you know, a year, two, three years before, pull it up. And then we look at the facts now and we say, okay, where did we go wrong? Or not maybe where did we go wrong, but like, what did we not see? Yeah. Did it mm-hmm. fail because of a reason we thought it could have failed? Okay, yes. Was it a higher probability, you know, we think the outcome uh, yeah, than this? Yeah. And then we go back and we kind of compare and then we write a postmortem and we send it to our investors and say, hey, y'all, we lost your money. You know, this is what our bet was. These are the things we thought. Um, after reviewing it, these are things we learned. And, um, you know, from here on, we're going to take this tact if we, if we learn things, Yeah, you know, very rare. Would we say we made a good bet? It just went bad, right? There's always something to learn that, um, it failed in, in, uh, that one particular case, it failed in this way, but at a a nuance that we didn't see, you know, like, uh, they failed because they couldn't get market traction. Um, but they went at the market in a backwards way. And we didn't see that they would have gone at the market in a backwards way. Um, but to that point is we we sell on our process and yeah. we're transparent in our losses, we're transparent in our wins, mm-hmm. and uh we we think our investors appreciate that. Yeah. Or at least that's what that's what we're betting on. Right. Absolutely. I got one more maybe question as we kinda we've talked a lot about, you know, business owners kind of being on that side of the table of exiting their businesses and things. Uh, one, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I would imagine a lot of the limited partners or maybe a certain percentage of them are former business owners and they have money to invest because they exited a business or they have, you know, a successful business with a lot of profits and they need to move, you know, yeah. money into other investments. What, uh, what does that look like? What are the things that if you're moving into that space at be, trying to become a, uh, an investor, a venture mm-hmm. investor or angel investor, what, what do they need to know? Um, and I would imagine there's this tension, right? Because if you've successfully run a business and now you're on the sidelines and you just put your yeah. money, like yeah. how, what, talk to me about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. An interesting question. Uh, because a lot of time, oh, were you going to, mm. oh, I'm, I, listening. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm listening because yeah. I could imagine the A type successful guy yeah. sitting in as a limited partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or gal. Yeah. And really stretching the term limited, huh? <laughs> You're right. Um, no, I mean, we're, we're transparent about up front of like, this is how it works. We'll keep you up to date, but you know, uh, in order to move fast. Yeah. Right. But, but from your sense of they have this extra capital and they, they want to deploy it and they want to do deals. A lot of times they go about it the wrong way because they get approached by opportunities. You know, I'm not picking on doctors or lawyers or anyone, but like a lot of professionals, because they're really good at what they do, yeah. they feel that they're good at everything. 
I know that I am not good at everything, but I'm I'm pretty good at investing. So like, uh, and and we we fall into the same traps, right? But but the idea is, uh, they're smart people, uh, and mm-hmm. they get approached and they say, oh yeah, this makes sense. I'm going to invest in that, and they may do, they may drill one well, right? Uh, Without even really looking at the or understanding the um, uh, the geography what, what do they call that geology geology or, of yeah. it right yeah, yeah, my yeah. dad's a petroleum engineer so. yeah there you yeah go. yeah uh but but so they do that and they're just kind of one-offing deals and this one's kind of a medical device but this one's a uh you know a sports something related thing because i like golf or i like baseball right and so i would say that's not the best way to go about it uh, the best way to go about it is kind of get a sense beforehand of um uh what do i want this money to do for me Okay, what is it used for? Is it something for hand down to the kids? Is it something that uh, for retirement that I need? And then you build an allocation of uh, different asset classes with that, right? And so now you may know, hey, look, someone comes to me with a real estate deal, and you know, fifty percent of my portfolio is in real estate and my own personal holdings and different. But I could just tell them no. Because I know now what I want and what I don't want. So knowing what you don't want to invest in yeah. is is really good for those folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not skipping over the uh, the kind of part of them wanting to be involved. Uh, I think those types of investors are better off, um, you know, getting involved with angel networks um, yeah. and and local incubators and local startups um, because that's where they can add the most value to the community on that. Yeah. Um, generally, though. Um, uh, you know, if I'm a hobby pilot, right, and I go fly, you know, Delta, um, I'm not going to try to, uh, you know, kind of mm-hmm. influence that uh, that flight. Right? Yeah. So I'm just going to let the pilot do the pilot, and that's generally, you know, on the on the investment side. Yeah. Let's end on this, if if you don't mind. I'll get you paint a picture for us for the small business owner who's got a lot of hopes and dreams out there, wants to sell their business, you know, retire in the sunset, and just let their money work for them. What does what does like the minute, like, are we talking millions, hundreds of thousands, 25,000, all of those numbers have been discussed here in terms of being able to put capital to use with, um, a company like yours, you know what I mean? Like do you, what, what size investments are your limited partners making? And you mentioned like 10 year turnaround yep. and describe a little bit of that for people who've, who know this, don't know anything of this world. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, the first step is you have to be a credit investor because legally, uh, you know, there's certain Reg D um, uh, regulations that these companies that we invest in raise. Mm-hmm. And basically they're saying we're only taking money from accredited investors. Yeah. And then whenever we sign and invest, we have to tell them our LPs are only accredited investors, right? Um <laughs> We have uh, kind of two different pools. Uh, we have, you know, your general um, average, you know, uh, uh, business owner, successful accredited investors, more in the, the venture fund, uh, more in that angel space kind of piece. Um, they'll do some deals with us on the private equity side, kind of on ad hoc. And then we have, you know, ultra high net worth uh, family offices on the others. That's generational income, um, you know, and kind of protecting, you uh, you know, assets for the future and, and uh, you know, uh, education for those different folks as well. So it varies, right? Sure. But, um, you know, your average check into our fund, we were a, a, a early startup fund. Our average check was $100,000, mm-hmm. right? We just kind of gathered it. 
But once again, it's kind of like, how do you sell investors that to invest with us without a track record? Yeah. So a lot of this piece was, okay, we'll give you a hundred thousand dollars skip, you know, or, or however much. And, um, I could probably invest more, but I want to see how you do with it. Oh, of course. And, yeah. and so that's kind of the piece of, well, but you know, by the time we raise fund two, we won't have a whole lot of data. And so yeah. that's our piece of, well, we're going to show you with our process that right. we run a good process. And so it's common for these funds to have like a stated, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get the money out in three years and then we're going to harvest profit. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that earlier, like in 10 years, what's that structure look like? Yeah. I know it varies. Yeah. Obviously, and and then, just- so, so that's my fund. We're a micro VC fund, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, you know, $7 billion funds, right? You, you've heard of these. So though that capital is coming from, um, you know, inst- uh, say institution pensions, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. universities, all that based off of their slice of what they need to send to venture. So it varies to the, uh, your point of the amount, um, how the venture fund works generally. Um, and they vary, but in venture, it's either a, a three or five year deployment period. Um, you know, a 10 year life cycle, and then two one-year uh, extensions. And so we get the money out quick and early, and you know you generally have your vintage. So we're a 2020 vintage, which is, <laughs> which is whenever we uh, you know, first started to f- uh, close the fund. And then uh, you know, our next fund will probably be a 2024 or 2025 vintage. And so that way you could kind of compare your performance against other companies, ah, other gotcha. funds mm-hmm. with the same market cycles, right? Yep. Um, yeah, it just sounds like stuff you guys would like to say, vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. vintage. Which vintage? Which vintage did you get in? I'm yeah. in the 2025. Yeah, well, uh, here was a great year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so uh, here's a problem too, right? So say we have wild, wild success, right? And investors are beating at our doors to invest in our fund, right? Uh, and then we go next time and we raise a $200 million fund, right? Because wild success, we're going to take all the money. Well, we just broke our model, right? right. So the types of investors that uh, companies that we're investing in right now, if I had a $200 million fund, I got to deploy, you know, uh, $5 million, $10 million checks into these companies. Well, that'll break the back. So now I need companies that are further along. Yeah. Well, I just had a whole bunch of success building a network of, yeah. uh, you know, deals and deal flow for this type of company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and you break it. But so the good ones kind of stay where they are or reach a level where they kind of get set. Um, the really good ones play at all different levels and have a different type of funds and sure. fund managers for, yeah. for it. Good deal. Well, thank you for bringing us into your world and, yeah, uh, and know. you know sharing all the details. And I think, yeah, I, it's always great to have guests, but especially too whenever like you know small you know a lot of the I would imagine the small business owners are like pumped, like re, <laughs> you know like re-energized. I'm like, man, I'm gonna get my stuff together. I'm gonna sell my business. I'm gonna you know? scale this thing. Yeah, 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 I'm gonna like 10x this thing. Right. And, you know, you know all that stuff. Skip, if people want to learn more about what you guys are doing, find you online. What's the best place to do that? Uh, Katieandcap.com. Got it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go there. Check out. Uh, get in touch with you, I guess. And I, you welcome questions or what? What? What's the best way? What's the best first question they could ask you? I mean, qualifying uh, your oh, qualifying your leads here for you. I, I mean, it depends, right? Because we service, uh, you know, uh, different customer segments, right? So. 
uh, high net worth family offices, you know, uh, reach out and kind of get a sense of, uh, you know, what you're looking to do. Like we were saying, you know, having that level of generational wealth becomes a job in and of itself. Right. And so we kind of handle that piece of it. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, the inbound is folks saying, Hey, I have this idea. This is what I'm trying to do. Hey, I have this company. I'm looking for funding. Yeah. Um, if it's not a good fit for us, we generally know who in the industry, right? If you have an idea, mm-hmm. you're, I'm looking to raise money to do it, we'll likely send you over to the opportunity machine so they can help you kind of curate it better. Um, but yeah, reach out to me with that. Um, if you're a credit investor, um, you know, and, and need help with research, you're getting approached by a deal and you say, hey, I need someone to just kind of put eyes on this for me. Yeah. We do that too. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, this well, has been great. Appreciate yeah. you coming, Skip. Yeah, thanks again. And as always, you can go to Group, check out all of our other podcasts there and get in touch with Marcus and his team. And uh, until next time. All right, see you guys. See you.